Welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are having a conversation about movement, about mobility. And uh, Matthew Groves is on the line. Matthew, welcome. You are with the the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association, and uh, you realize how important it is that people have the freedom to move about the way they want to, without force. Well, I think Matt, he'll be here in a minute, I think, so... (laughs) Okay, and uh, Kelly, we'll go over to you. You are with uh, Freedom to Drive. Yes. And again, uh, and when we say the freedom to choose about how they move, that means without government force coming in and incentivizing one mode of transportation over another, letting them compete in the free market. And we've seen a real assault on everyday individuals' freedom to do that. I don't think that a lot of people realize it yet. But we're going to start to see these effects very soon. Yeah, we, we are. So uh, first of all, the Freedom, Freedom to Drive Coalition is a coalition of, of businesses, uh, organizations, trade groups, individuals, consumers around the, around the state uh, that are doing just exactly that, uh, precisely that, advocating for our freedom to uh, trans- transport ourselves around the state as we, as we see fit. Uh, our primary... Uh, policy objective over the last few months was the zero emission vehicle uh, standard, which we'll, we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, but, you know, it goes, goes beyond that. As you mentioned before, there is something of a war on indiv- uh, individual mobility that's uh, part, of, part of an agenda that, you know, wants to push people out of individual ownership of cars and into public transport, onto bikes, onto pretty much anything but a their own vehicle. individual vehicle that they like. Right. And, you know, you see that with lane restrictions. I mean, anybody that's uh, driven downtown uh, downtown Denver going up, uh, up or down Broadway or Lincoln, and they've taken, you know, all those lanes away for, for bikes and for buses. Um, and then they wonder why there's congestion. Well, exactly. Uh, no. And then they say we have congestion, so we want to do another something with government to uh, try to relieve congestion, but they actually cause the congestion to begin with. Right. It's a, it's a fairly unrealistic view of, I guess, human nature if, uh, as much as anything else, you know, thinking that, you know, they can use government policy to force people out of their, out of their vehicles. Well, people have vehicles for a reason, you know, they... The, the convenience, the, the comfort. I mean, it's, it's going to be the safety. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to start getting pretty cold here in a, mm-hmm. in, in a couple months. And, you know, there's, there's some, something to be said about a car heater uh, in, in, the, in the middle of, uh, middle of January. Um, but so what, so that's mostly what we're, you know, put together to, to try and address are some of these issues associated with uh, governmental laws and policies that are trying to manipulate the market in a way that's uh, we think counterintuitive and ultimately counterproductive, and you know is going to hurt people's uh, people's ability to uh, thrive to and prosper. Themselves. I think. Yeah. So, and we have Matthew Groves back. Matthew is with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association, and he has really been watching what is going on. And Matthew, first of all, I want to say that I think people are voting. We I know that CDOT is doing a quote unquote listening tour throughout the state to find out about how mm-hmm. people like to travel around. I mean, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that people are voting with their individual personal cars and they still are willing to sit in traffic because they like that. So I'm not sure we have to have a listening tour to figure that out. But Matthew, welcome. Thank you for having me, Kim. I, you know, one of our dealers has a saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. 
Uh, I think the, the, the goal of environmental cleanup and clean air is one that we can all get behind. But when you start asking people about who's ready to make that sacrifice and get out of the car, the fervor amongst even the most environmentally minded people dies down quite a bit. Well, and you know what, to that point, I want to make a clarification. I think, I think I wrote an op-ed. I meant to anyway in my brain uh, about ZEVs and LEVs. So ZEV stands for zero emission vehicle and LEV stands for low emission vehicle. And so in a way, that's almost a misnomer. It's a way of, of making people think that, that, that that's exactly what it is. And it's not true. You have to look at the complete production um, effects of, of all vehicles. So as a ZEV or a LEV, um, actually, if you look at uh, what goes into the batteries and the rare earth minerals that have to be mined in third world countries, for example, in mm-hmm. the Congo, we have children that are, are doing a lot of that mining. When you look at the complete picture... Your internal combustion engines actually are "quote unquote" cleaner than these ZEVs and LEVs, but they're using that this narrative so that they can use force to try to get people out of their personal vehicles. You know, there have been a couple of published studies putting two vehicles head to head, say the hybrid Camry versus the Tesla Model Three, uh, things of that nature, where it's, it's shown lifespan emissions, uh, the hybrid actually is a little bit cleaner. Uh, I think the narrative that the state passed when we were doing the regulations is that they started uh, the emissions of the zero emission vehicle at its completion. So all that cobalt stripping, all that lithium mining, uh, you know, the, the carbon that is emitted in the transmission of electricity from a charging station to a lithium-ion battery, none of that was counted towards the vehicle. It was all pushed off to other sources or pushed off to other places. Uh, and that, that, you know, put the thumb on the scale a little bit when it came to the mm-hmm. emissions uh, way. Right. You know, one other thing, Matthew, is we never have, at least I've never really seen a serious um, commentary regarding what's going to happen to these batteries, you know, several years down the road when, uh, you know, somebody has to get a new battery. I understand they're really, really expensive, but where are we going to put all those old batteries? I have not heard uh, about that, and that seems like that's going to be a an environmental problem. You know, uh, I don't want to get too far afield. We used to slow boat them back to China. Um, China recently has stopped taking them, so there is one facility in the United States that attempts to recycle these things. Now, generally, when you're talking about uh, a standard car battery, you can get a, a couple hundred bucks back to recycle them, uh, just sort of scrap value. Uh, but when you're asking this facility to take a lithium-ion battery, you have to affirmatively pay a couple hundred dollars uh, to have them take it off your hands, and then you have to ship it. It's shipped as uh, sort of a dangerous material, so it requires quite a bit of effort. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we have one particular battery recycler in this state uh, where the batteries are just piling up on a shelf and you can't take it anymore. So that's going to be a problem. Kelly, do you have a comment on that? Um, not just on the batteries. Uh, Matthew mentioned the uh, emissions related to the electrical production, you know, going from, uh, you know, the generating facility to the charging charging uh, charging station. We got to remember that in Colorado, in the United States, uh, most of our electricity comes from fossil fuels, natural gas and coal. In Colorado, it's mostly coal, and it will be that way for at least the next few years. Natural gas is uh, 
Of course, Governor up. Polis wants to get us to totally, quote-unquote, renewables. Yeah, without nuclear, it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the science just isn't there. The, the issues, of course, are the biggest issue is storage. You can't store. It's almost cliche now to say the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. But it's true. Yeah, so you need to be able to store that energy. And, you know, we don't know how to store energy very well. That's why these batteries in these vehicles are so enormous. I mean, they're, you're looking at 1,000 pounds or more for some of these batteries. Um, and they don't last forever. You know, we, we just we don't know. We're not very good at storing energy. And until we address the issue uh, uh, somehow of storing solar and wind, solar and wind aren't going to make more than about 20, 25%, which is what we've seen for for several years. So most of our electricity is coming from uh, coal and natural gas, mostly coal right now. So a lot of these EVs, uh, you know, this makes their, their heads spin when you tell our owners this, but they're coal-powered cars. Mm-hmm. And we need to have these honest narratives about this, Matthew. Now, we're, gonna, we're talking about ZEVs, LEVs, and there's been a couple of executive orders. One, uh, as Governor Hickenlooper was going out the door, and then uh, Governor Polis when he came in, and these, these are things that I don't think hardworking, everyday people realize happened out there, but we're going to start to see the effects of that. And that is, is they are, are, uh, these executive orders are using government force saying to dealers that if you do not sell a certain uh, percentage of your portfolio as electric vehicles, then you would have to start to pay a fine or a fee. Now, we had the carrot as far as trying to incentivize folks to buy electric vehicles, and many people did. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not against electric vehicles. What I really get frustrated with is force, uh, government force. And so initially there was this incentive of uh, $7,500, I think, from the feds and 5000 from Colorado uh, uh, income tax credits. Well, when mm-hmm. you give somebody a credit over here, that means somebody else is going to have to probably pay more. But that didn't totally work. They weren't getting the numbers. So then we have these exec- executive orders that are trying to tie us to the California emission uh, guidelines and, in essence, uh, forcing people to um, buy these vehicles. If they don't, then there is a penalty. And to offset that penalty, there's only one company where these uh, where you can buy credits for that, and that happens to be Tesla. So once again, you have government picking and choosing winners and losers. So, Matthew, I kind of set that up. Is there anything else you want to say about that? We're going to go to break, and then we'll hear what uh, you were in, in the room in Washington, D.C. when you heard something that I think is very exciting. But anything else on that before we go to break? I was. Well, you know, I think uh, the whole industry is at the service of its customers. If you want to buy an electric vehicle today without a ZEV rule in place, you can do that. Now, you mentioned the $12,500 back that's universally available through the government. If you have certain utility providers, if you're buying from certain utility, or I'm sorry, from certain auto manufacturers, there's actually more money on that car. So you can end up at the end of the day with $20,000 off a $35,000 vehicle. Um, that's available to you today, regardless of whether or not we have a mandate. Uh, what the what the state is doing is saying that manufacturers must deliver to uh, automobile dealers a certain amount of zero emission vehicles. So when you come walk the lot, the cars that you want to see are going to be increasingly disappearing, replaced with these electric vehicles that don't sell particularly well in Colorado right now, just because when the manufacturer delivers that car to the dealer, that's when they earn their ZEB credit. Well, and don't you, just a question, and we'll go to break and then come back, but it seems like if the cars that people do not want to buy here in Colorado are on the lot, then they're going to, going to go to a neighboring state and buy the car that they want there. 
Seems like that. Believe it or not, the government has actually blocked that. Because of the LEV rule, if it's not a low-emission vehicle, you won't be able to register it in Colorado, even if you go to Wyoming or New Mexico to buy it. No way. You got to remember, they, the Lev- they've, they've really hemmed the consumer in here. Yeah, okay. Lev and Zev work together uh, to to really put you know put the screws to to the consumer to put it uh, vulgarly. Okay, I just have to clarify this, and then we're going to go to break. Did you just say that that if you went and bought the vehicle that you wanted in Wyoming or Kansas, that you could not then register it in Colorado? Did you just say that, Matthew? When the level rule starts, and I believe that's model year 2022 or calendar year 2021, if you open the door and there's not a low-emission vehicle sticker on the inside of the door, you won't be able to register that vehicle. Oh, boy. Boy, Matthew, you're getting my blood pressure going. Okay, but there you have some good news. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. This is Kim Munson. Kelly Sloan is in studio. He's the executive director of Freedom to Drive. Matthew Groves is on the line. He's with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. In studio with me is Kelly Sloan. He is uh, the executive director of Freedom to Drive, which I like the freedom to drive. I like the freedom of mobility. On the line is Matthew Groves with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. Um, You guys have my head spinning on what you just said about not being able to register your car if you go and buy it in another state. You talk about force and taking away freedom. Matthew, this is not a good thing. But something happened. You were back in Washington, D.C. Tell our listeners what happened. Correct. So the administrator of the EPA uh, came out and announced – actually, I'm sorry. I should back up and discuss the regulatory aspect of this. So when they made the Federal Clean Air Act in Congress, uh, and they made a second rule called the EPCA, they determined what the miles per gallon should be. And we call it the corporate average fuel economy. So that says, say, for instance, Ford makes four miles. Then average – I'm sorry, four models – Averaging out those four models, you have to hit a certain miles per gallon. That's what the fuel economy standard is. Um, Under the Obama administration, they made rules for how that should track up so that we're actually improving a miles per gallon. So back when they made this, there was a a section that allowed California to have a standard that was actually more strict, more severe than the federal standard. Now, you know, under Article 6 of the Constitution, when the federal, the federal government makes a standard, it's under the Supremacy Clause. It will preempt any state standard that's contradictory. Um, but since the advent of the Clean Air Act, California has actually gotten a waiver from the EPA, from the federal government, saying you can have this more strict standard because it's going to lead to cleaner air for you. And, uh, and, and Matthew, when, you wanna... when did that happen? Yes. When, when did they get that uh, waiver? You know, the EPA came about in 1972, and I believe it goes all the way back to that. Okay. It's been around for some time. They've moved that standard over 10 times, so they've applied for new waivers to change that standard, and traditionally they've always been granted. Um, But essentially when they want to make a waiver, when they want to move the standard, it's up to the EPA to decide whether that's still necessary under the current environment. Um, So, again, traditionally they've always been approved, but – uh, Director Wheeler announced through the Trump administration that uh, they were actually going to revoke California's authority to make a standard in conflict with the federal standard. Um, this is great news for the industry because previously uh, auto dealers had been making two versions of cars. One you can sell in the low-emission vehicle states that would comply with California standard, and one that you can sell in the other states that meets the national standard. 
so what we're doing here is collapsing those into one standard and saying there's a one national program standard so that no matter where you buy a car, uh, it will meet the national standard. And we can do away with those issues that we were talking about, uh, not being able to register a vehicle you bought because it doesn't have the proper sticker on it that says it's California compliant. Well, I think this is huge. Kelly, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I'll, I'll let Matt talk to the, uh, to the legal aspects, but, uh, I mean, it's going to – it's going to be in court. I mean, California has already indicated that they're going to sue the Trump administration over this uh, over this announcement, this decision. So it's going to be uh, be in the court for for quite some time. But uh, I think on on a practical matter, it for the time being. And again, I'll let I'll let Matt uh, uh, comment more on this. But it seems to do away with the authority under which the state of Colorado recently enacted both the Lev rule and. You know, the Zev rule that they enacted last month. So, Matthew, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think this is really fascinating. Um, the way that Colorado adopted the California standards, they couldn't create their own standard. They had to adopt California regulations verbatim. Uh, right. California standard, again, I think it's widely uncontested. Uh, they develop a standard under Section 177. If Section 177 doesn't exist, they can't have their own standard, and the other states who have followed them are put back into the federal program. Uh, so I think uh, the ultimate outcome of this is going to be that the state of Colorado will not be able to punish those auto manufacturers who fail to meet the California standard anymore, which takes the teeth uh, out of the ZEV program and the LEV program, both of which essentially combine to make up one Regulation 20 in Colorado. Uh, and, and I think this will set us back to how things were before the regulation. So. Uh, I think the net effect is that we've just spent a lot of time and money and resources uh, adopting these rules, and these rules will become ineffective anymore. Wow. I I have to say I am really excited about this. Now, I've seen some of the headlines. They're saying Trump rolls back clean air rules, implying that he likes dirty air. That is not the case. And uh, we were – Kelly and I were talking about – uh, you know, and you mentioned as well as as you look at the complete production of a ZEV or an LEV, if you really compare that, they're actually not as environmentally clean as our internal combustion engine. So this is uh, the words that we hear are force, punish. Those are not the words of freedom people. Now, if if from an environmental standpoint, if a, a um, Electric vehicle wants to make the case to the consumer how they, you know, would be better for the consumer. The consumer can make a free choice to buy that vehicle without all of the incentives, which is force, forcibly taking money from one person to give to another, picking winners and losers. Or the words that I heard you say, Matthew, punish, force. Those are really scary words. But in a free market, if people want to buy those Zevs or Levs, that's fine. But this is I mean, this is monumental what happened. And you were in the room when they announced they were going to do this, right, Matt? I was. And, you know, there definitely is a force element to the program itself. I think what the Trump administration is doing here is realizing that the program is failing. When we talk about zero emission, everybody talks about California because California has massive incentives, financial and otherwise, to get electric vehicles to 6% of their sales, which is not tremendously many. There are eight other states on this program, and they are all failing the standards. Some are doing worse than Colorado is without the mandate. Uh, So I think here we're looking at a a situation where manufacturers have uh, two options. They can either keep producing cars that people want to buy and will sell, 
or they can pull all of that research and development money out of safety features, uh, out of maybe pursuing autonomy and some of the features that your car has and dump it all into fuel efficiency. And we still may not get there because the, the two things that a government regulation can't do is it can't take away a consumer's free will and it can't will technology into existence. Uh, uh, they, they've so been I, trying. We, they've been <laughs> <laughs> they have. But, um, you know, the way we got to this current mileage per gallon was because at the end of, of 2017, I'm sorry, the end of 2018, uh, the Obama administration rushed through a midterm review of the standard and said, uh, we're going to hold the standard that we had before because if we do anything else, we'll have to open up a rulemaking that will run into the next administration. Uh, that was why the Trump administration uh, called a timeout and went back to review the rule and came to the conclusion that this is not the best decision for us. Uh, it's going to be practically impossible for cars to get there, uh, for the manufacturers to get there, uh, and people aren't buying them at the same rate that they're buying SUVs and, and trucks. Uh, now, again, that doesn't just because we don't have a standard doesn't mean states can't aspire to do better. They can encourage people to to buy the right kinds of cars and sell the right kind of cars. In their They're mind. just not going to be able to uh, compel manufacturers to buy compliance credits from a private sector company. Wow. Okay. Gentlemen, we are just about out of time. Matthew Groves, thank you so much. I think that this was a great step for freedom here. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. All right. Thank you for having me. And Kelly Sloan, thank you so much for being here. Do you have just Absolutely. a quick thought? Uh, you know, this, this Zev fight, I mean, it comes down to what you always talk about between uh, freedom and force. And, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not against electric vehicles either. I'd, I'd have one myself if I could afford one just to boot around, boot around mm-hmm. town and commute. But when you have the government uh, try and manipulate the market, towards whatever agenda you're going to have unintended consequences and those are those are almost always negative as they were in this case so let the market do it the market is the market does work in this case you got it people are buying evs